If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. Brian McClanahan Show, episode 679. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Wire there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook and a free audiobook, Forgotten Founders, read by yours. Truly, you can support the show by going to McClanahan Academy. You've already heard about that. Of course, get that free class when you sign up, 10 Myths of American History, and purchase a class or 20 there. That keeps this podcast free of charge. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, you can click on the Super Thanks button under the video. You can throw a few pennies my way. Click on the Support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way that way. You can go to anchor.fm. You can become a subscriber there and throw a few pennies my way there. You can also click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Send me those show requests. I do want to hear what you want to hear. And this is a listener-generated episode today. And it has to do with the, the pending or potential influence of a Trump second term on the federal bureaucracy. Now, this is a really interesting subject. Because essentially what's happening here is the left is going bonkers over the fact that the president, Trump, could potentially, if he's reelected, and now other Republicans have signed on to this pledge, apparently, according to Axios. I'm going to get into the pieces in a minute. But that the Republicans would seek to transform the federal bureaucracy and fire people, right? So this is, this is the idea. The incoming Republican administrations would fire several career bureaucrats or more, more accurately, reassign them. Uh, they would be called Schedule F employees, and they would be reassigned in the bureaucracy. Now, let's talk about the bureaucracy for a minute, because this is a really big issue in the 21st century. Now, remember in the Declaration of Independence, one of the charges against King George III was that he sent swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance, right? I mean, this goes back to the, one of the charges against George III is that he sent over a lot of bureaucrats to the colonies. And those bureaucrats were paid by taxes and they were harassing the people and eating out their substance, right? So that eating out their substance would mean that they're paying taxes to support these bureaucrats and all these people are doing is harassing them. This is a charge against George III. It's in the Declaration. It's, it's not like some, uh, you know, some crazy radical group came up with this in the 21st century uh, in charging federal bureaucrats with doing something that was awful. This is in the Declaration. In the 18th century, it was, and if you want to say that is American scripture, as Pauline Meyer called it, or if you want to say this is the most important document in American history, well, here is a charge against George III that would certainly place a stamp on the idea that Americans have long resisted large, oppressive bureaucracies. And at that point, we're talking, I mean, we're not even talking about anything close to what we have today, which is, which is absolutely hilarious. So here we have 1776, Thomas Jefferson writes the Declaration, and it has that line in it. So fast forward into the 19th century. 
Andrew Jackson, who again, Donald Trump styled himself as being, you know, another Andrew Jackson. This was often, you know, here comes another Andrew Jackson in the White House. Now, whether that was true or not, I mean, we, we could debate that. But Trump comes into the White House and, um, of course, the deep state becomes the charge, right? We've got this massive amount of bureaucrats and um, we're, we're, this is going to be a problem. Well, in the 18, 1820s, Andrew Jackson comes into the White House, 1829, and he brings with him a bunch of his buddies from Tennessee and other places. These people show up in D.C., and of course, all the establishment thought there goes the neighborhood. Here comes Andrew Jackson with all these country bumpkins, and they're going to come in and completely destroy everything. These people are going to just ruin, they're going to ruin the bureaucracy. They're going to ruin the government in D.C. And so Jackson, this was called the spoil system. Jackson appointed thousands of people to political positions so they could run the government. And at that point, when I say thousands, we're talking about a bureaucracy that had maybe 20,000 people in it, at the most, right? Maybe 20,000. And this was the way things stayed until the 1880s. So from Andrew Jackson's administration, uh, for the, about the next you know 50 years or so, we have a system in D.C., where the incoming president appoints a large number of people to the bureaucracy. And these are all loyal political operatives. And of course, the party system has made all this possible. You know, when Jackson comes into office, that's really the first time that you see parties, real parties, become part of the political conversation. And that was because of Martin Van Buren and organizing the Democratic Party. Um, and, of course, the Whigs would follow suit. They would organize a party just like the Democrats did. And so you start seeing political parties become important in all this. And you've got political party operatives. And you've got loyal soldiers out there. And these people are going to be given government posts. And, and then you get all the you know clamoring for positions in the government. And this is seen as highly problematic because it could result in violence, as we saw by, we, by the time we get to the 1880s. So when we get to the the post-war period, the post-bellum period in America, and you have uh, the Republican Party now ascendant in American politics. There's, I mean, they are they are the dominant party. Of course, the Democrats by the 1880s have have uh, come back. I mean, they can they're pretty they're powerful in Congress, but the Republican Party was the corrupt party. It was thought. I mean, this this party was really nasty, and particularly around New York. Now, Republicans had. Uh, different factions in the Republican Party. They had a group of people called the Stalwarts, and they had a group of people called the Half-Breeds. And so the Stalwarts were those that were, of course, Republican till the day I die. I'm going to report. I'm going to appoint Republicans, Republican GOP all the way. The Half-Breeds were those that were more interested in uh, maybe service or merit than politics, and they would not always appoint Republicans to important positions. And this really was important in New York City where you had the customs houses, right? So this is where you could generate a lot of cronyism and make a lot of money. So in New York and these custom houses, this was there was always a debate over who controlled these federal custom houses. So we get to uh, 1881, and we have uh, you know the 1880 election, and we get James Garfield elected president. Now uh, Garfield was a half breed. Garfield was a half-breed. He was a guy that would appoint people that weren't necessarily, uh, you know, staunch Republicans to positions. And his vice president, though, Chester Arthur, was a stalwart. And Arthur was seen as, you know, one of these real, you know, pro-Republican people. And so 
a man named Charles Wito walks up to uh, James Garfield while he's in a train station and shoots him in the back. And as he does so, he yells, I'm a stalwart of the stalwarts. Uh, Arthur is president now, right? So this was seen as an act of violence based on politics and not just that, based on political appointments. Guito had asked for a federal position. He was denied. And so the guy was mentally insane. But this was, uh, you know, a, 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 an act of violence based on politics, it was thought, right? So there is a push in the Congress to change this. We got, we got to change this. At this time, in 1881, 1882, 1883, there were about 130,000 federal bureaucrats. 130,000. That means the president, supposedly, and this is in the executive branch only. Now, okay, let me, let, me, let me back up here. In the executive branch only. So the president appointed people to the executive branch, but not the legislative branch. Congress had its own employees. The judicial branch had its own, own employees. But the executive branch, which is the largest branch, because it has to execute the laws of Congress, had 130,000 employees or so in 1881, 1882, 1883. So Chester Arthur becomes president, Congress then goes to work, and they pass something known as the Pendleton Act, named after uh, Congressman Pendleton of Ohio. And the Pendleton Act made it to where the president could only appoint a small fraction of these, these executive-level employees, right? So at that point, it was about uh, 10,000 or so, 10 to 20,000 employees of the 130,000. Okay, so the president had... 10 to 20,000 political employees out of 130,000 bureaucrats. So what this did is entrench the bureaucracy in D.C. Because a lot of these people now, again, they're entrenched. A lot of these people are now uh, permanent employees and you can't get rid of them. They have protections. They get hired and fired just like any other employee. So only a small fraction now, about 10% of the employees or so, are then appointed by the President of the United States. And this system now has remained in place since 1883. So think about this for a minute. We go from a situation, 18th century de uh, Declaration of Independence, Jefferson makes a claim against the king that bureaucrats are a problem. We get to Andrew Jackson. Bureaucrats become part of the process because of American political parties. We get to the 1880s. Bureaucrats are a problem uh, well, I mean, we have all these political appointees, right? So the president acting as a king does these things. So the 1880s, the president is then limited in his appointment power, but we get now another leg of government. We get the bureaucracy entrenched now in Washington, D.C. You cannot get rid of these people no matter what they do unless, I mean, of course, they break the law or they're not doing their job or whatever the case may be. You can get rid of them that way if they're, if they're not doing their job. But we get these entrenched people in D.C., and now we go forward a little over 100 years again. So we go from the Declaration 1776, 1883, it's 100 years. And now we're, we're about 140 years past that point, okay, 1883. And Trump comes into office, and in the waning days of the administration, he signs an executive order which creates these Schedule F employees. And a lot of people, a lot of lefties, went ballistic over this because what it would have done was given the president the ability to appoint tens of thousands of federal employees uh, under the spoil system. Now, th there's, there's a catch to this. I'm going to read these Axios pieces because it's absolutely hilarious what these people are going nuts over. And the Democrats now are really trying hard to ensure the president can't do this. Now, you have to ask yourself, why would the Democrats be so interested in blocking the ability of the, of the 
president to have all these political appointees. Why would they want to do that? Well, I mean, it's clear. It's very clear why the Democrats would want to do this. The Democrats would want to block this because they know, and the, the evidence is out there, government employees vote Democrat, I think by like a you know two to one margin or maybe even more, three to one. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge number um, uh, that, that vote Democrat. And these people are loyal soldiers in the federal government that are there to try to block anything Republicans want to do. Now, I had uh, family members that worked for the Pentagon for years. And, and I know that when different presidents came in, they would reassign people and do different things. Um, and these people were, of course, government employees. They, they worked uh, for the federal government. They worked for the executive branch and the Defense Department. Um, but they would get pushed around to different areas, you know, as, as different presidents were there and different ideologies and other things. So there's always a little bit of this. But what the Trump administration wanted to do was gut what he called the deep state. He wanted to gut this. He wanted to ensure that these people couldn't work against him all the time. And we know this was happening. We know that when Trump came into office, there was a concerted effort by the bureaucracy to push back against the Trump administration. Now, we don't, you don't see this as much with establishment candidates. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican. You didn't see it as much with the Bush administration. You didn't see it as much with the Obama administration or, of course, the Biden administration. You just don't see it with these kind of establishment candidates. But anybody that's kind of on the outside of that. Now, I don't know if you would see it as much if you had, say, a Bernie Sanders come into office. I think you would have a lot of loyal Democrats there that would just do whatever President Sanders wanted to do or President Elizabeth Warren or whatever the case may be. You would have certainly a large number of bureaucrats that would, that would do the bidding of the president if they're on the left. Now, if they're on the right, this is this is where it gets catchy, catchy right? So it's sketchy here. So you have this situation where a president like Trump comes in or maybe a Ron DeSantis or someone like that. And all these Republican candidates now are looking at this and saying, you know, we really need to reform this situation with the deep state. There is a, a fear among the Democrats that this is going to happen and they're going to lose some of their control over the general government. You see, what this exposes is that the Democrats really are all about power, and they this this is what they do, right? So it's not just the Congress. The Congress doesn't matter. The Congress, I mean, it, it 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 doesn't matter because they don't even read the legislation. They're there to do the bidding of the special interest groups and everything else, and they just punt responsibility all the time. It doesn't really matter. What really matters is the judiciary and the deep state and the bureaucracy, because once you get the legislation enacted. Then it becomes a monstrosity you can't undo. We started seeing this at the end of World War II. And when, I, when I wrote Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, I talked about this with Harry Truman. After World War II, we were supposed to, we were supposed to uh, uh, scale back our, our military, scale back our, our, uh, our federal bureaucracy. We're going to get rid of some of the programs and things that have been set up during the Great, the Great Depression, or the New Deal, and of course World War II. All they did was just rename it and transfer it to something else. They never came off a wartime footing. We never demilitarized after the war. And not just that, we never changed the wartime economy. We kept that going, just renamed it something else. And we saw this a lot with Truman. He was trying to use powers from World War II that the president supposedly had, right? And he was trying to do those after the war. Um to try to make sure that the 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 uh, his his power was maintained and the Democrats maintained control over the economy the way they had in the 1930s and 40s, so we've seen this. I mean, this this is something that's important. We've never we've never come off that wartime footing, 
And we've never come off this huge bureaucracy that began in the 1930s. That's when you really start seeing it. The 1930s, it ramps up. Of course, there are times before that when you start seeing more and more and more, even during the Cleveland administration, uh, when you know Gerber Cleveland, who I consider a great president, you saw an expansion of bureaucracy at that time. And by the you know 20th century, just keep it going. And now, now, here's the numbers. In, in 1883, when the Pendleton Act was passed, there were about 130,000 federal employees in the, that, were, that were in the executive branch. Today, there are nearly 3 million. 3 million. And I'm not even certain if that number includes the military. Right? So 3 million people work for the federal government. What Trump was trying to do was make it to where he could maybe hire and fire about 40 to 50,000 people. Now think about that. 40 to 50,000 out of 3 million. It's not even 1%. It's not even 1%, right? We're not even at a point where we get to 1% of, uh, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe 1% at the most, 1%, right? So 1%, actually the number was smaller. Was, I, I, what I've read is maybe 20,000 people. So maybe 1%, maybe 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 a little over 1%. But I mean, regardless, uh, we're talking about a huge number of people, right? Three million people, that would most of whom would not be affected by this plan to essentially reinstitute a small scale down version of the spoil system. Now, I'm going to read the Axios piece that gets into where the other Republicans, and you just, I mean, it just, it's so funny. The original piece uh, was written by Jonathan Swan, who has like, you know, 800,000 followers on Twitter. The guy is just a rabid leftist. And of course, it's all about hyperbole and fear and scare tactics. But this other piece is written by Alana Treen. I don't know her. Um, but the, the title is Scoop 2024 GOP Hopefuls Back Trump's Plan to Purge Civil Servants. Now, of course, think about this. I love these things. Scoop. This is like these investigative journalists going out there and, oh, they've, they've got watchdogs and they're trying to, they're getting inside audio and other things and they're finding this insidious stuff. So this is, the, the Trump administration, I mean, was open about this. And now other GOP people are like, yeah, I mean, we need, we need to rein in the executive branch. I mean, this, this is obnoxious. These people are causing problems. And more than anything, the bureaucracy and all of these federal employees are retarding our hopes of trying to implement policies that we want to do. They're slowing everything down, and we don't need that, right? I mean, what we need is to be able to put our plans in effect, just like the Democrats could do. But see, it doesn't. the Democrats are about power. So let me read some of this piece. Several possible 2024 Republican presidential candidates tell Axios they support former President Trump's plan to make it easier for the president to purge federal workers. Trump need not win his party's nomination, nor even run again for the next GOP president to try to reimpose the executive order known as Schedule F. Democrats, increasingly concerned, are scrambling to block that possibility. <laughs> so think about that. Democrats, increasingly, what are they concerned about? Well, they're concerned because they would lose then. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna frame this as workers' rights and make sure that people don't have protections. And, but no, no, no. What they're really concerned about is that they're going to lose any control over the bureaucracy. This is, this is so funny because uh, the Democrats are showing who they are by this. I mean, if, if, if this was, you know, all right, well, yeah, I mean, 
20, 30,000, 40,000 people, whatever it is, that isn't that bad. I mean, yeah, we still have all these bureaucrats, most people, but you're talking, I would, I would almost venture, you're talking about high-level employees, high-level people that... Uh, that need uh, that that would that would have some influence over policy and the Republicans or Democrats. See, this would work for the Democrats too. You know, these people would get booted out of the way once once a Democrat president came in. But the Democrats know that they have a better chance of controlling the government if they can control the bureaucracy. You see, they're showing their hand here. What Trump did was show their hand. Oh, we're going to do these things. Oh no, you can't do that. You can't get rid of these government bureaucrats because that's us. We are the deep state. We are the people that control things. These moves follow Axios' publication last month of an in-depth series by Jonathan Swan, detailing how allies of the former president are already plotting to return the return of Schedule F in 2025 were Trump re-elected. An in-depth series. This is muckraking at its finest. I mean, these people are so full of themselves. In-depth. So what he did is he said, oh, wow, there's a Schedule F that Trump signed into law, but Biden scrapped. This is in-depth. I mean, it's, it's public. This is in-depth. You're not, you're not finding anything people didn't know about. It's just silly. Uh, six Senate Democrats, led by T- Senator Tim Kaine, introduced legislation on Tuesday to secure the civil service and protect career officials against future efforts to reimpose the deeply controversial Trump-era order, which was rescinded by President Biden at the start of his term. So, to protect career officials, this is where it's coming down to, protect career officials. Protect them. Protect them from what? I mean, so, career officials. So, what we're saying is we're protecting career bureaucrats, officials, no, it's bureaucrats. This is, again, 18th century, right, to officers, to 21st century, but to protect the bureaucracy from... Somebody coming in from the outside and changing it because the bureaucracy is controlled by the Democrats. And, of course, Tim Kaine is a, is a loser. Uh, Tim Kaine is the guy that uh, you know wants to take Lee's name off of Arlington House. Now he's doing this. I mean, Tim Kaine, this guy could have been vice president of the United States. Representative Jerry Connolly, who chairs the subcommittee overseeing the federal civil service, last week published an op-ed in the Washington Post calling on Congress to act. He has sought to amend this year's defense bill to prevent a future president from restructuring Schedule F. Or re- I'm sorry, resurrecting Schedule F, excuse me. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Senator Ted Cruz told Axios they support using a measure like Schedule F to reform the federal bureaucracy and strip civil servants from their positions in crucial government agencies. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senators Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, and Josh Hawley wouldn't speak to Schedule F specifically, but they showed openness to the approach and told Axios they think more needs to be done to hold career officials and federal agencies accountable. Former Vice President Mike Pence, former Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley, Senator Tom Cotton, and Representative Liz Cheney declined to comment for this story. The one dissenting voice was Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, who would never, of course, sniff the White House anyways, right? I mean, nobody's going to vote for that guy. Uh, the only people that really matter in this list, to be frank, are DeSantis and, and Trump. I mean, I don't think any of these other wannabes are going to sniff the White House. I don't think Pence is going to sniff the White House. Nikki Haley, no way. Uh, Tom Cotton, no. Liz Cheney, no. I mean, Liz Cheney won't even win in Wyoming. Um, you know, Ted Cruz, maybe. But, um, uh, you know, Pompeo, I don't, look, Pompeo's kind of got the, uh, he's got a little juice right now, uh, but... Uh, from you know maybe former Trump people, but I think the only person on this list that really matters is DeSantis, and of course also Trump. Um, 
So the piece continues, those aligned with Trump and Schedule F say that the political civil, a political civil service is a myth and assert that the bureaucracy is stacked with liberals out to block conservatives from exercising policy muscle one fairly in elections. This is true. This is entirely true. We know because of data that the bureaucracy, the civil service, as they're calling it, the bureaucracy is aligned with the Democrats mostly. It's why the Democrats are trying to preserve it. It's why the Democrats don't want any Republicans to come in and mess with this thing because they know it's in their pocket. Others see the argument as cover for a power play to destroy the civil service, disrupt continuity of government, trigger mass resignations, establish loyalty tests, politicize the bureaucracy, and send a chilling effect through virtually every U.S. agency. Of course, uh, the, we already, the, the bureaucracy is already politicized. I mean, this is a myth. We know it's true. The impacts could also go well beyond typical conservative targets, such as the Environmental Protection Agency and IRS, also touching, touching the Justice Department, FBI, State Department, and Pentagon. Uh, Pompe Pom Pompeo I'm sorry, tells Axios that Schedule F was a step in the right direction. We need to do more to hold these, the D.C. bureaucracy accountable. Great employees need to be rewarded and unperformers shown the door. With our sec security and economy at risk, we need effective institutions. Americans don't want bureaucrats or ideologues. We want competence, he said. Cruz said, I support creative efforts to root out the deep state. I think there's enormous abuse from radicals who are burrowed into our agencies. And I'm glad to see that the Trump White House was thinking creatively about how to combat that. I think they should have done more sooner. He also said, I think any Republican president should work to ensure that there are appointees in the administration who will carry out the policy priorities that the American people voted for. Taking on the entrenched bureaucracy is incredibly important. DeSantis, to be frank, this is simply not an issue here like it might be in D.C., I would add, however, this is, of course, his, his press secretary. I would add, however, that Governor DeSantis has spoken out many times against unaccountable power map bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci because their agenda is harmful for Americans and would destroy Florida if it were implemented here. So the piece goes through a number of Republicans that are quoted as saying, yeah, this sounds like a really good idea. And, of course, this is terrifying to the Democrats. It's terrifying to any of those who have... A, a skin in the game for the bureaucracy because they know the bureaucracy does exactly what the Republicans are accusing it of doing. This is why there's a reaction to it. If the Republicans, what the Republicans were saying was completely false, completely false, they, they would, I mean, this wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, okay, what, we know this isn't true. But Republicans go out and do this, they're, they're striking a nerve. Oh, no, no, if, if, if it was completely false, Tim Kaine wouldn't worry about trying to protect the bureaucracy. He wouldn't worry about it because protecting the bureaucracy wouldn't be an issue, right? It wouldn't be an issue at all. You wouldn't have to because nobody would really care about this stuff. But we know it is an issue. This is why it's being brought up. Now, the piece by Swan, of course, was hilarious. Um, this is a radical plan for Trump's second term. Radical. So it's radical now to say that bureaucrats are, are a problem in government which is what Jefferson said in 1776. This is the funniest thing about all of this. You see, what we really have in America, as always, we have two groups. We have, we have court people, Tories, establishment, monarchists, whatever you want to call them, and then we have the Republicans, the country party. And these are the people, this, we're seeing it, you have the city-country dichotomy, whatever it is, but you have court and country. And so the Democrats and a lot of Republicans are court. Their establishments, this is Liz Cheney, this is these people want to protect the court. They want to protect the monarchy. They want to protect what we've created, the bureaucracy, all of that. And then you have the people on the outside trying to change it all the time, trying to hit it. Now, 
The important part about America, which is different from Europe, is, of course, the influence of the states. This federal system was supposed to limit that power of the court in the center because it was only going to have so many you know, powers, so, so little power. It wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't even feel it. But the states were going to have more power. What we've, what's happened, though, is all that power has gone to the center because of the Lincoln administration, ultimately, uh, and then how that moved forward from that point. But uh, this, is, this is where America was supposed to be different. That court-country dichotomy shouldn't have mattered as much. Uh, in America because of the federal system. But we see it now because we've centralized everything. So now you have the court uh, the court in the country, and this is a big issue moving forward. And I think that, again, the, the, the fact that Democrats are freaking out over this shows you what they really want to do, and it's about power. They can accuse the Trump people of wanting power. You're talking about, what, 1% maybe? 1% of the entire system? 1%. And we've got three million, even, even Swan admitted, well, there's over, there's two million people. It's a small number, but it could have dramatic effect. It could, in other words, it could prevent the Democrats from, from blocking the Trump's, Trump's agenda or the Republicans' agenda, whoever's in, whoever's a Republican for, for nominee. It could block that person from having their agenda implemented. This is what they're worried about. All right. I'll see you tomorrow on the Brian. Oh, by the way, don't forget, uh, before I say that, uh, still use that coupon code Copperheads if you're in that first week of August 2022 to get that Copperheads class for $60 off. I'm running it for a, maybe another day or so, but $60 off. Use the coupon code Copperheads. Get that class. It's awesome. You're going to want it. And of course, this speaks to the problem of Lincoln and the centralization of power and all the corruption that was going on there too. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.